This is a Props.com production. The Bostonian is Matt Perrault. This is our f- city. The book is Dave Sherapan. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Together, they are the Bostonian versus the book. You covered! You covered 12! I covered! Follow the show on Twitter at Boston versus the book. How do you like them, Matt? Bringing you the best insight on sports betting news, Matt and Dave's daily picks, and an entertaining and unfiltered dive into the sports betting industry. Here's Dave Sherapan and Matt Peralt. And here we go. Welcome to day two, everybody. How are you? My name is Matt Peralta alongside Dave Sherapan. This is the Bostonian versus the book, a props.com production. Day number two, Dave. How did day one feel for you? Day one felt great. Um, you know, we had a couple plays at the end. We did our thing, you know, bet it or book it. Um, we had a breakdown of whether you should go for two uh, when you go, when you're down 15 that, you know, got some people riled up on the Twitter. I got some DMs that, you know, oh, you got to go for it every time. Being down, being down nine and being down eight seems like a different discussion to me. But, you know, I what do I know? I say all the time, nobody knows, you know, can we swear on here? I don't know if I should. I don't know. We, we haven't really established that yet. I okay. Think I, I have to ask permission what what, what our feel yeah. is on, on yeah. the cursing. I don't mind it, but I, I haven't asked. Yeah, the, uh, the powers that be. Are we, are, we, are we allowed to say dirty words on the Bostonian versus the book? We'll use nobody knows squadoosh right now then, and, yeah. and just just to be sure. But yeah, it was a good discussion. I thought um, I thought we got a lot of uh, you know feedback. It was good. So I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I love it. It was a lot of fun. I got a lot of people's reaction to it. And uh, you had the under five and a half for, for Steph Curry last night. I had plus the money. I had the plus Rams money. money line plus yeah. money. So we gave out on day one, two plus money plays Yeah, to go to, okay. to, get, to get people involved with today. So uh, not bad. And so hopefully we'll kind of keep this, keep this rolling here, but the teaser start. was never in doubt too. That was good. The, the, the yeah. teaser leg was never in doubt. Those are fun. When you get those, when you get the lead and you're getting points and you never really relinquish the lead, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. So let's go with our openers here and let's go right into that. It's the Rams and the Cardinals last night. And what did you learn, if anything, from that game last night in terms of where, where the Cardinals are, where the Rams are? What, you know, How much of a, of a statement win was that for you for the Rams? I think it's just another you know step along the way. I mean, it, it proved to me, I mean, the Rams are capable of doing it. That was good to see. Um, just for the overall picture, do I think they're going to win a division? Uh, I mean, they're still alive. That's good. And so, you know, numbers wise would say, okay, keep it in mind. But um, the game still comes down to turnovers. If if anybody can figure out how to handicap turnovers, I've been saying it for 25 years in a book. Would you give me the model that can tell me how many turnovers a team is going to have? We can retire. But take about one season, maybe two, and we'll be good. Sean McVay improved to five and zero against the spread, five and zero straight up on the road at Arizona last night. Three touchdown passes for the quarterback that I still don't love in Matthew Stafford, but I'll give him credit. He had a couple of really big throws in that game, and Ooh. man, I mean, they needed 
every bit of Odo Beckham Jr. last night, they needed him huge. Cooper Cup was the story, right? But I think we assume that Cooper Cup's going to be the number one weapon. He's going to have big games. He's their passing offense, in particular with Higby being out. He really is their passing offense. But then, man, I thought OBJ, and if that's the version of Beckham we're going to get down the stretch, don't you feel like that could be a difference maker for that offense? Because they're going to have to run the football, but they're also going to have to find somebody else open down the field besides Cooper Cup. Are they though? Like Cooper Cup, I mean, you talk about the story. He they find ways to get him the ball. That was what impressed me. Like you know, they're doing that pitch play, put him in motion, and get him the ball in different spaces, deep, middle, and like OBJ has become the guy that's going to move the chains, right? And you know, it's not a Boston show, but I always think of a guy like Julian Edelman. You got to have an Edelman to make the whole offense work. And OBJ may be that guy now. Like he's Robert Woods. Robert Woods isn't there. They got to have that that guy who's going to, when it's third and eight, we get nine and we move the chains. Maybe he's that guy. I, I, I don't know. It was good to see for the chemistry, for the dynamics. And you're right. Stafford made a couple throws. I mean, that throw for the touchdown to Cooper Cup <laughs> was an absolute bullet. And he put it in the only place he could. And he caught it. Touchdown. Cash that prop, whether Coop, you know, Cup scores a touchdown. It was impressive. It was impressive. Uh, did it put any questions in your mind for Arizona? I had questions going into the game about Arizona. I mean, look, yeah. James Conner had a huge night, seven straight games with a touchdown. Yeah. And whether it be catching the football or running the football, he looks like their most dynamic weapon outside of the quarterback in Kyler Murray. But Cliff Kingsbury if you look at the market right now for coach of the year, it's, it's kind of over. I mean, Belichick is even money and Kingsbury now is four to one after last night. Yeah. He blew that game. I mean, that, that could have been one of those crazy comeback for the ages type of situations. And you and I were talking going into the fourth quarter and I said like Rams are up by 14. You're like, uh Oh, in the, in, in this <laughs> NFL, who knows what can happen? And it's oh. true. I mean, they score a touchdown, but they probably should have kicked a field goal, you know, earlier and then onside kicked and they had to get, you know, down the field in score two times under two minutes. And I just felt like Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury wasn't prepared for the next step, the way that Belichick has his team. OK, we're here, gracious. but we want to go right like step one, step two, step three. We're already preparing ourselves for what has to happen. I felt like Kingsbury was very reactionary late in that fourth quarter and didn't really have a game plan or a strategy as to how he was going to attack the Rams, because I think even he was shocked he got the onside kick. Yeah, it's well, aren't you like, I mean, I, I don't know. I I remember years ago, I think the onside kick used to be more successful. It's yeah. so hard to get it now. Right. But like when you get it, you have to have an idea of what you're going to do. <laughs> you you know, we don't have any timeouts. It's it's two passes. And, you know, let's take a Hail Mary shot or whatever. Like, yeah. There's, there's nothing else to think about. There was 37 seconds left or 32 seconds left when it got like, we don't have that many options. Don't stop thinking. And oh, we'll just drop back and we'll wing it. I don't know. It's 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 interesting to see the way coaches react or have that plan when it kind of happens. And you're right. You kind of got an idea like, yeah, there was no plan. <laughs> no, he was he was panicking and he was kind of just like, wait, what do I do? OK, uh, do this. And then why don't you snap spike? And Hail Mary. I mean, we are, we are, I mean, people were DMing me and like in messaging me saying, are we going for Hail Murray 2.0? Is this going to burn us again? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and they didn't even give themselves the chance to do it. Like no. it was, it was weird. I, I couldn't figure out why they were deciding to snap a ball there. And like, I mean, look, I've never, I've met Aaron Donald and I've interviewed Aaron Donald and his hands are the largest things I've ever seen in my Big life. Dude. They are meat hooks. He's not that tall of a guy. He's only like a couple inches taller than me, but his hands in his arms are just ridiculously large. I couldn't imagine him coming at me, but like anytime he was going straight at Kyler Murray, that dude was going to the ground. Like it didn't matter like where it was, yeah. he was taking cover and going straight down whenever Aaron Donald was coming at him. So I, I, I think that kind of got into his head a little bit. And I think that could be a problem going down the stretch that like the offensive line for the Cardinals kind of a patchwork quilt already, but they're really not protecting Murray. And so he's starting to get a little bit jumpy and maybe running a little early or not hanging in the pocket as long as you would like him to hang into the pocket. So I don't know. I thought the Cardinals were kind of fraudulent at 10 and two anyway. And so, I mean, they're 10 and three, they're still right there, but I'm, I wasn't buying the Murray MVP talk. I wasn't buying the uh, coach of the year talk for Kingsbury either. And I'm just, when you put them, when you put the Cardinals in the Rams, you know, Packers, Bucks, start ranking the teams in the NFC. Yeah, no. Right. I mean, they just don't feel like they belong yet. Maybe they could. I Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I just don't feel like they're in that conversation yet. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I mean, I think we can stop talking about uh, Murray for the MVP. I agree. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's great. And, and he kind of, I thought a couple of times as I, the guy knows how to take a hit and he knows how to slide, which in today's NFL, if you're going to be a running quarterback or somebody who's going to extend plays, you better know how to do both of those skills. And he does. He gets down. And when he sees a guy like Aaron Donald coming at him, he just goes down. I'm not going to take the hit. I can't get away. I'm going down. So he has to preserve himself for Arizona to have a chance in the postseason. So I give him a lot of credit for that. But man, there's just there was just a couple times. I mean, the one pick both, was a tip. Picks. Both yeah, picks were just, horrible. Both picks were bad. I mean, just not terrible. Good. Like just yeah. not good. And 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 that'll come. That'll come. I can't believe how good James Conner looks. I mean, I thought you know everybody in Pittsburgh said he was done. Right. James Conner looks like one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like that's going to be their meal ticket in January. They're yes. going to run the ball. And yeah. James Conner is going to be leading the charge. Uh, Brady this morning at FanDuel for MVP is now minus 155. Big favorite to win the MVP. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is five to one. Dak Prescott, 12 to one. Patrick Mahomes, 12 to one. And Kyler Murray now 13 to one to win the MVP. So, yeah, uh, very much kind of not a dead conversation, but kind of a dead conversation right now when it comes to Kyler Murray and in the, in the, in the MVP. All right, Dave, I got to get your reaction to this as someone who's been in the bookmaking business for a very long time. Yesterday, the Las Vegas Review Journal was <laughs> the story breaker. The NFL will award the Super Bowl to our home market of Las Vegas coming up in 2024. After years of saying that sports betting was the devil and it would ruin the sport, the biggest sporting event in all of the world will be coming here to the desert as a bookmaker. And I hear your laughter. Don't you just kind of shake your head a little bit at it? I know we're all pumped up about it, but isn't that kind of an, like, did you ever think you'd see it? The irony in the whole thing is, is not lost upon anybody that's been in Vegas for a number of years. We had people coming around making sure that the sheets in the book did not say Super Bowl. 
<laughs> it said football championship, the big game. Everybody. The moniker, the joke inside the industry was, what are we calling it this year? Yeah. We can't put the logo on it. Yeah, you, if, if some literally books were told to take the sheets off the shelf because they had the team logos on it. Oh, wow. You can't do it. You, what do you mean? It's We've been doing it all. Well, you can't do it. They were people coming around. For years, they didn't come around. And then they did. And then you can't say Super Bowl. You can't. Even when you refer to it on shows and stuff, they can say it, and then you can say it back. But we don't want to, Vegas and NFL and Super Bowl weren't allowed to coexist. And then the prop thing happened, you know, with, you know, Jay – started doing the props with, you know, at the Imperial Palace and took it to the Westgate and it changed the whole world. And, you know, Jimmy Vaccaro, all the guys became a market in itself. And you couldn't say the Super Bowl props. They had to be the big game props. And now we're going to have the game 15 minutes from our house. You'll be able to walk from the books on the strip over the bridge right to the game. I can't believe it. I love it. But if you'd have asked me this five years ago, I'd have been like, are you nuts? They ain't ever going to have a team here. They ain't ever going to have a Super Bowl here. They got the team here. They got the stadium here. Why wouldn't you have it here? It might be after they do it once, P. Roth. It's going to be in the regular rotation, right? Like we're going to have it every three to four years. A hundred percent. And this is starting. I mean, this uh, February will start a run for 2022, 23 to 24 that we I never thought we would see. So we've got the Pro Bowl here at Allegiant Stadium this year coming up in February. We have the NFL draft in April coming up here in Vegas. Okay, so we are in April. The expectation was pre COVID a million people. Post COVID, I don't even. I'm. We may oh, annihilate that. Yeah, over. we may. Yeah, one, two, one, five, one. Who knows how many people are coming for the NFL draft in April? Then we have the NFL Super Bowl coming up. You know, we go to Arizona next year, LA this year, Arizona next year, and then the year after that, we have it here in Vegas. It is one of those stories that I think for so many of us who have been around talking sports that this might be one of if not the most insane Super Bowls, just from a, an overall presentation oh. performance. Like we already put like little John and huge stars at like the halftime show for golden Knights games. <laughs> like what, what are we doing? Like what's the, what's the halftime show look like with Cirque, all the Cirque people all around with like, we know the killers are going to want to be involved in it. Right. <laughs> Vegas band. We, we know there's going to be a laundry list of people who are going to want to be a part of this presentation, be a part of it because it's going to be ridiculous. And then what will the ticket prices look like for this thing? Oh boy. I, I mean, it's going to be unreal. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see the spectacle that comes with having a Super Bowl in Vegas. I mean, the parties are already the parties. Well, now they're going to be parties in Vegas. Like, I mean, it's to be something in LA, be great in Arizona, been seen, but like the amount of people that it attracts and the amount of things that go on, the game is not the afterthought, but I mean, there's a lot that goes on yeah. and the draft is going to be telling. I mean, we saw the plans for the draft before COVID. I mean, what they're going to do or what they were going to do, and now they are going to do, it's going to be a precursor, a little hint at what the Super Bowl week's going to look like. 
but this place is crazy for the Las Vegas Bowl. Like oh, it yeah. attracts an experience for the teams that come and their and their fans and their followers and stuff. That's different than a lot of other places. The Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. Like I, I can't, I can't wait. I mean, that was the first thing that my wife said to me. She said, "I heard they're doing this. They're going to do the Super Bowl here in three years." I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Oh boy!" Like just yeah. leaned back and was just like, "What? What is that going to mean?" I'm like, "I don't know." But me and Matt will be talking about it. <laughs> well, we're not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's what it means is that, like, we're not going anywhere. Everyone's like, so what about, you know, Vegas? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Like, yeah. I have not desire to go anywhere. Like, we are going to be here in this town to watch this crazy spectacle. Of, it's a great way of saying it, spectacle. Here's kind of an insider question that I don't think many people outside of Vegas care about, but I'm curious what your thought is. Do you ever foresee them shutting the strip down for events like this? where they basically make it pedestrian only and say, look, we're not even going to deal with cars on the strip and just make it all walking only. So I've done it. I did it for years for new years. I did the strip experience and they shut it down. And then I was working on the strip when they did this and it was a nightmare. I mean, we got a traffic plan for all employees the week before make your plans now on how to get here because Every exit off the 15 is going to be closed, getting close to here. You're going to have to take all streets and you can park a mile away. So you're going to have to leave an hour and a half early. So you have to walk to work, et cetera, et cetera. I 100 percent think they should, but they have to do it at the right time because you still need all of us to get to work, (laughs) to do all the stuff, to serve all the drinks, to to pay all the jackpots, to be in the the best part about having it in Vegas, it will be like another busy day. We've right. done this a million times. Like you won't have to do anything else other than show up and be ready to party because this is kind of what we do every day. You just got more people doing it. So <laughs> I think Vegas is going to be, it, they're going to have such a good experience as a host city. They're going to be like, Yep. What's the rotation? Uh, three years, four years. Put just put Vegas in the next one. Three years from now, or four years from now, we're coming back, and it's going to attract more. Right? When is the NCAA going to have a Final Four here? That's ah, uh, very yeah, very very soon. That's coming. I mean, I don't That's like. Good. I don't like basketball and football stadiums, but it's what they do. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's going to happen at some point for sure. And, and then, I mean, T-Mobile arena, I think is getting a regional right down the line. I think I remember seeing that, that the T-Mobile was going to have a regional. All the rules are changing, you yeah. know, because of the gambling before it was bad and now it's good because everybody's <laughs> partners and everybody's buddies and like, Hey, we got, you know, these fees and this and that we're all together now. So we got a piece now, yeah, let's do it in Vegas where everybody can do it because they're doing it everywhere else. So one of the offshoots of PASPA passing and other markets being able to do it is that the leagues did get involved. Now, in hindsight, they should have been involved back in the 80s, but they weren't. Now they are. It's only opening up opportunities for guys like us. Absolutely. All right. Tonight is the night Steph Curry goes to 
MSG, a place where he shoots 51% from behind the three-point line. He likes to shoot at MSG. He needs two three-pointers to become the all-time king of three-point makes to pass Ray Allen. So here's an interesting little thing, Dave, because I was doing some research today and I was looking around and I was going, okay, I'm I'm assuming books are going to put up different numbers here, okay? So I don't know if you guys can see this all that well, but this is DraftKings, okay? And DraftKings, Golden State Warriors at the New York Knicks. Steph Curry... One made three is minus 10,000. <laughs> Steph Curry to break the three record is minus 5,000. Steph Curry to break the three record in the first half is minus 500. And Steph Curry to break the three made record in the first quarter is minus 110. Why is this a one-sided market? David? <laughs> I don't know. Why, why this little area right that I'm, that I'm scrolling yeah. on? Yeah. Where, where's the no? There's, there's no, no nose. There's no nose. There's no, there's, there's no nose. It's um, something that's unique to, to, to this new way of bookmaking the old way. This is the best. I, I don't know. I wouldn't offer it if it was our book. And if we did, we'd have to have a no because we'd have somebody that would come in to do it, you know, at the price that it would be. I mean, you should be able to bet the no. What happens if it's a no? Do you get your money back? Is it just one of those bad beat payouts? Like what happens if you bet it and it doesn't happen? I, I, it's crazy because the first quarter, him not making a three in the first quarter, if it's minus 110, whatever it was, to the yes, right? It's, it's uh, To him, it's two threes is minus 110. Why wouldn't you book the other side? Like why wouldn't you enable the no to be available to the public? I have no I don't, idea. I don't get the logic of, of making a line on a yes and having there not be a no and have it just be a one-sided market. It, it just, this is what the frustration is with a lot of these automated books that come in. It's like, wait a minute, if you're going to put up a line, there's got to be the other side. I mean, if yeah. you take minus 110, why can't I take plus 110? Like what are or even minus 110 on the other side? It It makes no sense to me. I don't know. These are different things that like I see and I'm like, all right, is this a promotional bet? Is this like a ten dollar limit? Yeah, like it is. A, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. It is a pro. It is under if you to, to search for it. It is under promotion. DK Promotions is technically what it's under. Okay, so, so yeah. there has to be some stipulations that you can probably only bet ten dollars. Um, and know. minus five thousand. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know. That's ten dollars I mean. is, is is you make five cents. Like, thanks for coming. Like, what, what would you even do it for? So a lot of these things, I think, in books now that are doing it elsewhere, that aren't really booking it to actually book bets. They're booking it to gain a customer. They're booking yeah. it to create excitement, get somebody into uh, one of the buzzwords is the ecosystem. Let's get them into our ecosystem <laughs> and and sign them up. And then they can poke around and see what else we have to offer. We'll get them in this way. I don't know. In retail, you know, my dad used to call it, uh, you know, we put the stuff in the front and give it away. Lost leader. Okay. Maybe this is a lost leader type thing. It's not a real bet. I mean, like, how much handle do you think a book's going to do on this stuff? On the curry props alone or all of it? Well, no, just the curry prop, those curry props. Like, when you can't, when you have to lay a huge juice price. Yeah. I mean, me. I mean, I guess I think that gets some action on the two made threes in the first quarter, because I do think that there is this narrative out there because the Warriors played last night one by two and then had 
they got uh, either snowed in or plane issues in Indiana, and mm-hmm. they didn't land in New York till this morning. So Draymond Green was on Twitter today saying, "This is ridiculous. We're flying. We're you know we flew game day of the game. We played last night. We didn't sleep much, and now we're playing tonight." And then some of the executives for the Warriors were kind of like, "Look, it's going to be tough, but we'll be big boys and we'll play this game because right 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 now on the secondary ticket market, there are sites reporting this is the most expensive ticket." regular season Knicks ticket in their site's history. What? So, yes. Really? I mean, this, yeah. Tick Picks was, was one that tweeted out this morning. Give them a free plug. But they are reporting that they have never seen secondary ticket prices for a Knicks game in the regular season like this tonight. Everyone in New York wants to be there to watch Steph Curry break Ray Allen's record. So, I mean, one, Curry is a monster in that market. People love him. Yep. Secondly, you know, it's a Knicks game against the Warriors, one of the best teams in the NBA. So there's that on top of it. So people want to be there. And and the Knicks aren't half bad this year. So people are wanting to go Knicks games anyway. So they know all the cameras are going to be on. You know, everybody wants to be in that picture, right? When Curry breaks it, that's still shot. That's going to be in everyone, you know, poster and billboards and whatnot of Curry right. becoming the three-point king. So are you going to be right there in that still shot? So I, I still, yeah, I mean, it's, is this like a record though? Like the big record. It is a big record, but is it like the basketball records, like baseball records? Okay. You break the home run record, you break the hits record, all this stuff. Like, is it a big record outside of basketball? Uh, I don't know, but New York is a basketball nuts town. True. So, so, so it's big in that market because it is a basketball record. I, I agree with that, but there's a thought that Curry might play the first quarter, break the record and sit. So who would do that because of what of the travel problems that they're having playing last night, back to back, you know, they don't really need the game. They won he last night. Do that. You think he's going to do that? I don't think he's that kind of, I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't think he would do it on purpose. I think Steve Kerr may bench him. Yeah. I think he's going to tell Kerr I'm playing, man. It's MSG. It's my one trip in. I'm playing. We got to win this game. They're five point favorites. Like the steam is coming on them. Of course. Well, why wouldn't it come on them? I mean, it's the Warriors. The Warriors are a much better team than the Knicks. Knicks are good at home, but much better team. I mean, Curry's Two games total. Ago, they were three and a half point favorites, three, three and a half at Philly. Yesterday, they were four, and then it went down to three and a half at Indiana. Now it's five, and it's steaming on Golden State. Like, are they going to cover? I wouldn't touch it personally. I mean, again, I think they could pull. I think they could pull up the reins and say, okay, they benched their stars in the fourth quarter. I don't know. I, I think on a side, it's tough. But yesterday, we were trying to put this together here. So DraftKings, Curry made threes tonight. We know he needs two for the record. You thought that once he gets rolling, he's going to erupt. Yeah. Five, and a, five and a half is plus 105. Under five and a half is minus 135. You like him to hit six tonight? Well, now, geez, now you give me these travel issues and he may sit. We got to find out where that's coming from because that may just be some. No, the travel issue is real. I mean, that's not, that's not. No, the travel stuff is real, but the fact that he may play the first quarter, break the record, and then. Well, you know, that's just all speculation. As I said, I've got people, the, the GM came out and said that, hey, we'll be big boys and we'll be fine and we'll come out there. It'll be a lot of fun. We're playing. Right. So, I mean, that's just the front office is saying that don't expect anyone to go any differently. They're going to play this game as is, even right. if they're tired. 
So maybe there isn't. Maybe Curry plays the whole game. It's just sort of like that. If it wasn't for the fact they flew this morning to New York from Indiana and then having to play at MSG tonight with a whole lot of attention and anxiety going into the game. I mean, Curry's going to have ticket requests like crazy. I'm sure he wants his family there. After he breaks the record, are they going to stop the game? You would think they would, right? It's New York to honor the the award. I mean, when Brady passed the touchdown mark, Patriots didn't stop the game. They were just like, hey, whatever, man. Congratulations. We don't care. We're, we're, right. We're, we're, that's, so that, so that's what are, the Knicks, are the Knicks going to stop the game and like honor him? Or are they just going to like put it up on the billboard saying, congratulations, Curry just became the all-time three-point king? In the next TV timeout. Right. Like they'll just do it in the next TV timeout. Like, hey, by know. the way, Steph just broke the record. There you go. I mean, they should stop the game. I mean, the Patriots should have stopped the game. I mean, it's just it's it's a major market. It's a major market. I think it's worth acknowledging it. But I didn't like what the Saints did with Drew Brees. That was a bit ridiculous when his family came on the field and they did all the nonsense. Like, I'm not saying do that, but it would be nice just to like. I don't know, take 30 seconds to let the guy just you know hear it from the crowd because it's a pretty darn impressive accomplishment to hit this many threes at 32, right? 33 years old. I mean, this record's going to be annihilated by the time he's done. Do you remember? I think Pete Rose broke the hits record in Montreal as a member of like the Phillies or something. I think that's right. Yes. Like everybody for now. Remember that? Every, okay. Correct. Everybody came out. <laughs> And said like, "Hey, way to go! Pat him on the, on the, on the helmet, and then back in, and that was it. Like, all right, you know, and you could probably hear the play by play guy going, okay. And now Mike Schmidt steps in the box down on one, and you know, Pete Rose just became the all time hit leader, like broke a hundred year old record, whatever it was. And it yeah. was like, okay, let's go. I don't think this will be that big of a deal. I think they're going to do it. Say, hey, you doing? You know, congratulations, you're the three point most three pointers of all time in the NBA." And, you know, take the ball out on the side. Like, let's go. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I'll, I'll be curious. I'll, I'll be curious. I mean, I think they've got the night owned to watch yeah. the game. I mean, it's a 430 Pacific start, 730 Eastern TNT game. It's New York City, Madison Square Garden. It's it's going to be fantastic. It is the thing to talk about today in all of sports and there's a zillion betting opportunities. Does I think he gets over five and a half? I think so. I mean, I would actually bet yes, because if he's going to play, he's going to light it up. You've seen guys go to New York city and just get it, get it going. We've seen big games from Jordan used to go there on a regular basis and just kill it. Um, Kobe, every time he went there, LeBron's had some big games. It's a big game place. And the Knicks have been terrible at home, by the way. Yes. Just not good. So I think, you know, on a back-to-back, you never see this happen. You never see the steam come on the team playing the back-to-back. And this might be one of those moves in the book that I used to call like a setup job. Like they're setting up the Golden State number to then come back and pound the Knicks. It might be, it might be a head fake. But it's five. I'm watching the odd screen right now. It's yep. five everywhere. It was just four 10 minutes ago when we started, when we, yeah. you know, 15 minutes ago when we started the show. It was like, wow. So I think if you're going to bet this prop, you better bet it now, right? Because, I mean, who bets under? Nobody's <laughs> looking for him to not get enough threes 
Yeah. I, I think you got to bet over because you're getting a well, good number right now. The Knicks are four and ten against the spread at home this season. So I was I was wrong about that. I, I thought they were much better than that. Uh they're seven and six against the number on the road. The Warriors are six and five against the number on the road. They did not cover last night. They did not cover against Philadelphia. So so right. far on this road trip, they are 0 and 2 ATS. And now here going into New York. They're 17, 9 and 1 overall, but that's because they're 11, 4 and 1 at home yeah. against against the spread so maybe you're right maybe just let this number climb and then come back in here and take the knicks to keep this to keep this game close and i I mean look they didn't look great last night (laughs) to to tell you that against indiana i mean they won by two give indiana credit like i watched a lot of that game while i was on in game live and stuff when we were kind of talking about it you know getting ready for the football game Indiana's pretty impressive. Like, I don't know, sometimes addition by subtraction or telling everybody you're going to blow it up and guys go, wet. there's a little more sense of urgency. They played pretty well. And that place still, still, I mean, go back to the Reggie Miller days. Like, it's still a hard place to go and play for visitors. There's a lot of chirping. There's a lot of excitement. It's a big night every night for the Pacer games. Absolutely. All right. So the big story today in the NBA gambling world is the Cavaliers are covered 12 straight games after their win over the heat, 12 straight games. This is, you know, getting in this unprecedented category. So when it comes to the Cavaliers now, if you haven't been riding this streak, Dave, do you have to start fading them and bet against them? All right. So I I, I had this discussion with someone yesterday. When you bet baseball, you bet streaks, You, you jump on. Like if three, four games in a row, you bet. If you're wrong, you're only wrong once. If you start betting against the streak now, I mean, I don't know how many they can go. Maybe they only win two more, one more, whatever. But if you bet against the streak, you don't know when that streak's going to end. You could get buried. Uh, uh, you, you, you say, oh, they won six in a row. They're going to lose now. I'm going to bet against it. Say you did that with the Cavs. How can the Cavs win six in a row? Cover. I'm going to bet against them. You're 0-6, and you're still betting against them. If you jump on the streak and you're wrong, you're wrong once, and now a new streak starts or you're on to another team. So I never bet against the streaks. I had an old-time bookie tell me a long time ago, bet the streaks because you can only be wrong once. And then you're on to something else. It made a lot of sense. It's kind of rudimentary. And I'm sure there's professional gamblers and people to tell me you're wrong. You should bet against the math tells you this. The analytics tell you that I ain't betting against the streak. I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. It's inexplicable. 12 straight. This used to drive me crazy in the room. How do you come up with a number? Like at what <laughs> point they've been dogs almost every game, right? Now they're they closed five point favorites last game and one by 12, I think. Well, the last four, they've been favorites. Yeah. So the, the last time they failed to cover was on the 18th of November against Golden State when they were catching nine and a half points at home. And they lost by 15. Okay. Ever since then, they have covered every game. And this is the third longest streak, according to ESPN stats and information, over the last 30 years. So they play c- coming up. They'll play tomorrow at home against the Rockets. Now, we're also ridiculously hot against the number they've been look at the rockets look at the rockets last eight nine games 
They are uh, 15, 11, and one overall, nine and one over their last 10. <laughs> and they, uh, they did not cover against Orlando on the 3rd of December, but they have covered dating back to the 20th of November. They have covered every game but two. Pretty good. <laughs> so the month of December, late, late, late November into December now here, they've been good. So you have a nine and one streak and you have a 12 and 0 streak. Dog head. Going in, you like the dog in this one? Take Houston. Dog. We'll dog. talk more. About, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But it's the number's eight and a half at the moment. Offshore. Oh, any oh, it's it has to be inflated on the Cleveland side. Okay, makes makes sense. Okay, seven is the high water mark for me in the NBA. The games fall the most on seven. So when you're laying more than seven, you really got to be sure as the favorite. Automatic play for me. If this comes over seven. And you tell me Houston, tell you right now, we're betting it. If you tell me Cleveland, I'm booking it. I like the dog. Interesting. So we'll get more to that coming up tomorrow. But Rockets Cavaliers tomorrow, all of a sudden a team, a nine and eighteen team and a seven and twelve team, all of a sudden is going to be the number one talking point on a Wednesday in the sports betting world coming up tomorrow. Yeah, that's why betting you're welcome, NBA. My gosh, oh. it's why it's it's why people are gonna pay attention and watch this stuff. So all right. So before we go off the NBA, we're 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 both on the yes over five and a half of plus money for Steph tonight. You gotta right? do it. Yep, you gotta do it. Yeah, I'm on that. And then we're both waiting. I like your idea, waiting on the Knicks get as many points as possible and take the dot the home dog yeah yeah as bad as as bad as it, it it they've been at home with the travel issues and this and that I would lay it right now but I'm not I mean like I liked it at four once you get over two buckets it's like mm, boy now you know you see what happens they win by two they win by three and you're laying three and a half four it gets a little hairy I mean but the emotional play the one to see play the you know I, you want to bet Golden State but in the book, this would be one of those ones where we just sit and write like 85% of the bets are on Golden State. We just yeah. watch it go up, go up, go up. And I would be like, all right, we got to just root for the Knicks to keep it close. I don't know. I mean, I guess the Knicks could win. It's a perfect spot for them to actually win a game at home. But um, I think we can wait and get more points. So at three and a half, when DraftKings reported this uh, an, an hour ago to me, DraftKings, Golden State is receiving 82% of the money, yeah. 87% of the bets at three and a half. Yep. And the number has ballooned now to five and a half. 93% of the money on the money line for the Warriors, 85% of the bets are on the Warriors money line. So yep. it is Makes big perfect. contrarian play. I yep. which I like, much like last yep. night with the with with the Cardinals, big contrarian play is to take the Knicks here plus the points uh, and just let it go all the way up and then hop on the Knicks right before, right before tip. All right. One more topic before better to book it. And Baylor became the fourth number one team in the, in the last four weeks yes. in, in college basketball. This is crazy to me, Dave. I mean, college basketball, should we even have rankings early in the season? Like, should nope. we wait? like January 1st before we start putting numbers next to these teams, because you, you, if you want to talk about nobody knows bleep yeah. college, college basketball voting you know, pool really knows nothing. It's insane. Everyone thought Gonzaga was going to run away with this whole thing. Right. And they very well might, but, but they've yeah. been, they looked not, not, you know, invincible at times this Correct. season. Then it's come in now where we've got an undefeated Baylor team. Who's the defending national champs from last year, who everyone thought they were going to have a down year. And now we've got Baylor as the number one team in the country. There's some AP writer who I have to find who voted for the Creighton Blue Jays in the top 25. 
which might be wow. the single stupidest thing I've ever seen as someone who watches every Creighton game. That team is so far from a top 25 team. It's not even funny. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know what you're watching. This team was down at home to Kennesaw State. Okay. Like, what are you talking Don't underestimate about? Kennesaw State. Please. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Those buy teams. <laughs> look out. You're buying those wins and look out, man. They're going to come in there and beat you. Like, what are we talking about? Because they played well against BYU and BYU started a game, which it was my bad. I took BYU, not thinking the time zone difference. BYU played the game. It was a uh, 11 a.m. tip time. Mountain time. It was like the earliest time BYU has played a game in like 10 years. Oh, the, ki- the kids were asleep. They didn't know what was going on. And so yeah. they got crushed because the Jays were more awake and they were more comfortable because it was noon for them. So they were better off. And so they killed them out of the gates. They're up by 20 in the first half. So that was a bad handicap by me. But like, no, are the Creighton Blue Jays a top 25 team? Like, not even like, like what in the world is going on? But what do you make of the topsy turvy nature of college basketball right now? I, for, I, I can't remember the last time I actually looked at rankings, either in college football or college basketball. I just don't look at them because I'm looking at numbers and I'm looking yeah. at schedules and I'm looking at totals. It, the, the rankings never meant anything to me. So, like, I find it fuel for content people and, you know, the, the media to talk about. And it gives I, I mean, it, I think it gives the programs kind of a measuring stick where Absolutely. are we yes i mean and and it's it's for them it's great but for the rest of us i how many times have we seen it now we've done this on bet it or book it where the ranked team is the dog in the game they're like wait a second this is the number two ranked team in the country they're on the road and they're getting three points well it's not really an upset then when, right. you know, <laughs> right, and, right. and the media is like, oh, it's a oh, huge big upset. upset. Right. You're like, wait, uh, they were the dog. Right. So, the, right. Like, what are you talking about? So, for years of the book, like, we kind of just, you know, are aware of the ratings and rankings and things like that. But as far as actually putting it into use, I didn't really have much use for it myself. I mean, in college basketball, this is the call. We call it the silly season until January 1st when conference play used to start. Now it's started in some conferences. They're playing conference games in December. But we call this the silly season. Everything before New Year's in college basketball, silly season. The real season starts in January. And I'm not looking. Are you putting any notion into this? I mean, we've had what? Gonzaga, Duke. Now Baylor, who was it in between? Oh, Purdue. Purdue, Purdue yeah. held it for a game and yeah. then lost to Rutgers. Yep. <laughs> On that a crazy shot, the, the, the buzzer beater half court shot. Well, I mean, at FanDuel, you got Gonzaga at six to one, Duke at seven and a half to one, Baylor ten to one, and Purdue ten to one to win it all. Kansas eleven and one, and Arizona, who has been an absolute wagon yeah. so far in college yeah. basketball yeah. at 14 to one to win it all. So, I mean, even the numbers bear it out that there's no clear cut runaway. No you know, heads, heads above everybody else type of favorite to win the, to win the championship. And and I never really get involved with the NCAA championship market all that much. Kansas has been a little bit of an interesting look. Cause I do like the way KU has looked this season and 11 to one. I think there is some value with that, but other than that, I, I don't like betting on a tournament where I don't know the draw. And right. it's really hard. Like I, I always say people like, how do you get involved with the college basketball futures oh. market? Cause you don't know what the draw is going to be. Like you don't even know the seed. So it's like, well, the, the elite teams always get good seeds. So they kind of walk their way through. And I'm like, man, I don't, 
I just think there's so I, much uncertainty. I've seen a lot of guys use this market to just give themselves outs. Like, Absolutely. That makes know, sense. Like, I get there that. were teams, there were guys that were so far ahead of the pre-COVID year, Cincinnati. Like they were on that team. Yeah. I believe it was like around 200 to one. And, you know, they are Dayton. No, it was Dayton. I'm sorry. It was Dayton. Okay. Right. Obi will be topping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 200 to one. They kept winning games yeah. and you're in the book going, wait a second. Those guys bet that in the summer, like they were way ahead of it. And, and by that time you keep moving it down, but the exposure is already there. So there were guys that were doing it. Did they think they could win it? I mean, it's it's a six game parlay, right? And when you're a top seed, the first game is a bunny, and even a lot of times the second game is is a hard game that one eight or one nine matchup. But you're supposed to win the first two games, and now you got a four games. You got four games to win it, and you got two hundred to one. A lot of guys will take a shot just to get a team to the Sweet Sixteen, and then work off of it and you know, do their magic and, and win no matter what happens. Well, the one thing I will say that if you do go in, if you're in the secondary market, like the propswap.com type market, if you're in, if you do enjoy doing that, then I get it because the ebbs and flows of a season where if you're on a 200 to one and all of a sudden that team becomes a top 10 team. Now everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at the value you could get. You can sell that ticket to somebody else and, and right. recoup your money and get a guaranteed payout. That type of stuff, I totally understand. But like, Betting it, saying if you aren't going to play that market, you're just an average person saying, hey, I'm going to take a flyer on KU to win. It's like, <laughs> mm, you got to have like, I think you have to invest like five or six teams. You got to really kind of make a, a strategic play oh. versus just like betting one ticket, trying to uh, hit the, ho- the Hail Mary. 100%. Guys would call it their portfolio. They right. would get a portfolio yeah. of teams, which again, there's so many parallels between investing and sports betting. And now we're getting a lot of crossover terms and a lot of this. And there's probably a lot of financial advisors out there and people that are going, it's not the same. It is the same. There's a lot no, of similarities. Not. No, there's- I'm saying it's not the same. Not the it's, same. I hate that. I hate it's, it. it's not investing. It's not. It's definitely not. not. No, but it is sometimes. No, no, it's not investing. I, know. I, I get the idea of moving markets and, and and operating as a college basketball team as a stock going up and down. I get that theory, but when I buy a stock, I own a piece of a company, and I don't have to worry about it. I own it until the company gets sold, and then I can sell my stock, or it sure. gets bought out through me, or I can buy enough stock in that company. I can actually dictate what happens. So if I can buy Duke and I can set Coach K's starting lineup, then okay, fine, it's investing. But I can't do that. Okay, no, <laughs> I can't. You don't I want can't buy. A, I, I can't buy enough of Duke <laughs> stock to go ahead and tell Coach K I'm now in control. I have a 51 percent stake in this company. I will tell you, Duke, you're playing this dude this many minutes. So can we get. Can we get Coach K on the show? Maybe we can ask him if we do. I think he would probably love me to ask, hey, Coach, can I dictate your (laughs) your starting five because I own your team? Can we work on the rotation after the first five minutes with Coach? Like, I I want this guy and this guy. He would love that. Oh, he would be so happy to hear some 44-year-old Yahoo saying that. Would love that out of me. All right. It is time for Bet It or Book It. Oops, that's the wrong one. Bet It or Book It here where where Dave tells you whether he likes my plays or not. Betting it means he likes it. Books it means he doesn't. And I'm going to start with one that already has been hammered by COVID. So you know I'm betting this because it's my team, the Bruins, against our team here in Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights. So you've got a Vegas team whose power play is pathetic. And actually, and actually, for the first time in a long time, the Bruins are the better five and five team. The Vegas Golden Knights normally take advantage of being the better five and five team than the team that they're facing. I am irate that Brad Marchand is out of this game due to COVID. Yes. And I 
would not have made this bet if I had known that that was going to happen. Yes. I bet I bet overnight. I bet last night. Yep. Took the Bruins minus one thirty. So you can go ahead and book this if you want, and I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to hate on it, but I'm I'm staying with it because that's just kind of where I am here. Bruins money line is down to minus one ten. Yep. In the wake of the story, but they're still slight favorites over Vegas. I'm going to stick with the Bruins money line betting under booking it. Uh, I'll book it for the purpose of the show, but like this, this COVID play, like I knew when it got close to kickoff, like I was like, man, we're in trouble with this Arizona play. Like you just know. Right. And now all the steams come and everybody's betting Vegas. Vegas may go off as a favorite in this game. I'm not booking it. I just decided I'm betting it with you. We're going to take the bad number. Bruins win at home. The Knights have been, they've been up and down, but they've been playing pretty well lately. Um, Give me a, give me an Eastern conference game, man. Marshawn being out is so huge. It's terrible. It's terrible. And again, be cautious about making this bet. If you're listening to the show, because he is a integral part of every unit power play, penalty killing, regular shift, top line. He sees 25 to 30 minutes of ice time every night, and he really pisses off the other team on every shift. He's the best, best, good player in the league. I'm going with the Bruins. All right. Little ball of hate here being out is is a brutal loss. But I think you're right. If it flips and we get even better and you get Bruins plus money, it makes the bet even more attractive. So I I, I do think I laid a bad number. Obviously, I'm at 130, but you can get maybe even money or maybe even plus money uh, by the time the game starts because everyone's going, oh, Marshan's out. We saw it last night. Everyone's like, oh, Ramsey's out. Go ahead and hammer. Oops. Like the don't. I read it last night. Someone tweeted it. It's really true. Be really careful jumping on COVID steam. Like you yeah. just got to be a little careful. It's not as big of a deal. Yes. It's one player, but it's when a player is out, it's more about the length of time they're out versus a one game situation where the team learns right before the game, they're out. Even the opponent can't really change the game plan all that much just because one player is out. We saw it last night. I mean, the, the guys behind screwed. get paid too, by the way. Right. That's true. Right. <laughs> you know, don't right. forget that guy behind wants to step up and do the best job. He's not like, Oh no, I'm playing tonight. He's like, right. Oh hell yeah. I'm playing tonight. Right. You, get a, you, you don't get a scared, like, you know, young, like you get a guy who wants to make a mark. It's, it's right. not that big of a deal. They move things around and it's, it's okay. Maybe it's a hundred with Marshan and you get 90 with the guy who coming in. So All it's right. not as good, but it's not like horrific. It's not like a college kid coming in and playing who shouldn't be in the league. So yeah, yeah that, that's why I'm comfortable staying with the Bruins Bruins money line. Okay. I'm going to take a shot here for the second one. Mm. Oilers are at home against the Maple Leafs. Now I bet this at plus one ten. Let me see where the latest number is here. I bet, I bet this last night with Maple Leafs. Now the number it's still minus one thirty for the Maple Leafs plus one ten here on the Edmonton Oilers nine and five at home. I have not been betting hockey all that much, but I have been betting the Oilers at home. They've lost two games in a row. Maple Leafs are okay. They're kind of up and down as well, but I like the Oilers at home as dogs getting plus money. Betting or booking Oilers money line at home. I'll book that one um, only because the Maple Leafs have kind of exceeded expectations in these big games. Like they seem to early in the season, they were playing to the level of their competition, and now they're playing well, way more consistently. A um, little bit of a funk for the Oilers right now. They're just not, you know, I mean, if the Oilers were playing like they were a month ago, this line's minus 125. 
on the Oilers. So now you got to make Toronto the favorite because they're getting more of the bets. Does that reflect what you think is going to happen in the game? No. This is a coin flip game. You're probably on the plus side is not a bad deal. But I'm getting Toronto at a short minus. So you can look at it either way. I'll book it. I'll take the Maple Leafs. To college basketball, we go here. Alabama and Memphis, arguably the game of the night here coming up. Alabama, according to Kempom, has the 20th 20th ranked adjusted tempo in college basketball. They shoot a ton of threes, over 25 shot threes per game, over nine, nearly 10 made threes per game for Alabama. They've covered their last three games. Alabama has taken on Memphis, who actually is faster in pace than Alabama is, except they shoot twos, not threes. They're 13th in adjusted tempo. But I think Memphis is going to be able to get after it. Bama's defense is okay. It's not great. The number has kind of been ballooning here a little bit. We're up to three and a half now for Alabama. I can say that's come down. Sorry, it was four last night. Now it's three and a half for Alabama on the road at Memphis. But I like the over 154 and a half in this game. Betting or booking Alabama over 154 and a half. Fully wasn't expecting a college basketball play from you today. Oh, you're you getting were- two of them, so get ready. Oh, fantastic. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll book it. Um, only because of what you said with the twos. Like, the, the, you need 154 and a half is pretty high total hmm? for a college basketball game. And a lot of times, um, even like on the other shows and stuff that I do, when the total's high, you know, the inclination is to think, oh, what's well, going to go under? And you're thinking right and saying, well, it's a high total, go over because it happens more often than not. I'll book it just based on uh, we get a, a, a superior defensive effort from Alabama. Short number, um, it's probably going to be close. You're not going to get a 138. We might need to sweat this thing out into the high 140s to actually get it under. Do you think it could go way over? You're yes. at 154 and a half. This could be a 170 shot. You can see both teams yes. you know, getting at least 80 and then flying over. Memphis is four and one to the over at home Two uh, Bama's two, one and one to the over on the road. Bama against Houston, Gonzaga and Florida went over by 19, eight and a half and eight and a half at 151 and a half, 164 and a half in 146 uh, for Memphis. Two of two of the last three have gone over 143, 136 and 142 were the totals for Murray State. Ole Miss and Georgia. The Georgia game went over by 19 uh, and the Murray State game went over by three. I I don't think defensively Memphis is. I think Alabama wins the game, but everyone is talking about this as being a very tight one position type of game going back and forth. But I do think this is going to be an up tempo offensive score fest type of game. I I think this game, I think both teams get into the eighties in my mind. Wow. And I think, okay. and, and I think Bama could wind up getting close to 90 if the threes are falling for them. So okay. uh, they scored 83 against Houston, 91 against Gonzaga and 96 against Miami. So Ooh, they fill it up. Okay. Yeah. Bama shoots, Bama runs and shoots a ton of threes. And if they hit over 10, I think that's the magic number. I think for, for the over to come in here for Alabama and Memphis. And all right, one more to go to and it's my Creighton Blue Jays taking on Arizona Oh, I thought State. for sure you were coming minus seven. Oh, no, man. No, 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 no. I'm not going near Al- the Creighton Blue Jays at home stink. 
And it, it, I mean, they stink. Arizona State, if you remember, Arizona State played in maybe the worst college basketball game of the year this season against Washington State. The final score is 51 29. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh at, my ha- goodness. at halftime, the score was 18 12. Okay. At, at, at halftime, what a misprint. 18 yep. to. Well, I mean, I mean, it was pathetic. So we, we have Washington State. That game went went under. It was one thirty nine and a half. That game went under by fifty nine and a half points. Fifty nine and a half. Now these are the ones we got to remember. Like you know, because everybody remembers. How did the odds makers know the game was going to fall three? The book knows everything. Vegas knows. Oh, this game fell three. We made the total one thirty eight and it was under by fifty nine points. Like right. As good as you are on some of these games, you miss on these other games. Like, just keep that in mind, people. Like, the numbers, they, they don't always come close. That's a big miss. Yes. This, so, that's that's got to be the most the game ever missed by the season. It's a, a lot to go under. It's a ridiculous number to go under by 60 points of college basketball. The Blue Jays are 1-4 at home to the over. Now, Arizona State's three and two to the over on the road, but two of the last three have gone under the Washington State game. They went over against Oregon on the road in their last road game, 69-67, went over by three and a half points. But their last game at home against Grand Canyon went under by two and a half points, a 67-62 game. Mm. The Jays do not have an offense. Right now, they are 215th adjusted tempo on Kempom.com. 215. That is not Greg McDermott's offense. It's no. not a typical year at all. The Jays want to run and shoot threes. They're averaging just six made threes per game, which I can tell you as someone who's been covering Creighton basketball since 2004, that is a ridiculously low number for how they normally want to play. They right. play slow. 170 for Arizona State when it comes to adjusted tempo on Ken Palm for them as well, but they don't score at all. I mean, they just, their offense is just anemic. They score 64.7 points per game. That's 267th in the country right Even now. Even by it's out of 357. There's, that's how many teams there are. Yeah. So, like, we're on the back end of bad like we're on the real bad and the jays give me to give up 66 points per game that's not horrible that's 99th in the country but creighton's offense is only scoring 73 points per game that's outside the top 100 for the jays offensively where normally they are extremely efficient they hit a lot of threes they run they run that's just not what we see right now i'm going under here i'm going under the jays at home under 136 and a half against arizona state we're betting that we're betting that um all of that, you made a very good case for this being really not a fun game to watch. Thank you for, for this. Will be what we check on the phone. Click. We just check yeah. the score. Like I don't need to maybe you know click it on maybe close to halftime just to see what pace we're on to then maybe decide like is this is this maybe we can go under in game or maybe now it reaches. This thing, if it starts out at 136 and a half and it looks like it's already ticking down yeah. in game, if there's a slow start, you may get this thing 118 and a half, 120, and then create that middle in game with, with your pregame side and then your in game side. And you, you know, you have a big bucket where it falls anywhere in the middle and you cash both. Um, or this thing may be one of those ugly games where they only get like 110 points mm. total. I mean, the winner gets 60. Are we saying that's what the, I mean, the first to 60 wins this game? Somewhere in that range. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the Jays scoring 65 points. I don't, I mean, I can see a 65 60 final. I mean, something in that range. Right. The Jays don't cover. 
they win, but they don't cover. It's down to 135 at DraftKings at the moment. So there is money coming in on the under on this, on okay. driving, the, driving the number down. So it's I have a point and a half of your favorite CLV. There you go. City of Las Vegas. That's good. Trash can closing line. They're all value. over the place. Everywhere you go around town, the CLV cans everywhere. <laughs> Try to take, I'm going to have to take more pictures of it. So I have a, different areas of town. For those of you who don't know what Dave's talking about, Dave on his Twitter account likes have a running thing about CLV, closing line value, and there are big trash cans around the city of Las Vegas, CLV. So it becomes everything with your closing line value. It means nothing, while a lot of people who are on the content space will tell you that, hey, being on that CLV long term will win you money. The point is this. To win. (laughs) Well, no, it's important for professional gamblers, you have to get the best number. I'm not discounting that getting the best number isn't important. It is the most important thing for the book and for the better. Anyone that's listening to the show, watching us, you know, do our thing on all this different content things, it is important. But you can't use it as an excuse for making a bad bet. You can't <laughs> right. be telling me that betting the Giants this past week with Mike Glennon at quarterback was and because you got 10 and the game closed eight. It was still a good bet. It wasn't a good bet. You were never in the game, although towards the end, you were almost in the game. I, I Again, we talked about it yesterday. I almost had to send a big retraction tweet that like, hey, you put it out a little early. And I know you talk about this all the time. What we talk about and how we do it has no bearing on the result of the bet, but you still can't like say the word lock. Don't tell me this is a lock. Oh no. Pre-game. I'm talking about in-game pre-game. You can definitely be stupid and, and make yourself look like a fool by calling <laughs> something a lock. I'll give you that. You, you can look dumb, but if I, if I say with five minutes left that a team's up by five is going to cover and they don't, that wasn't because I said it. <laughs> like I had no bearing on the outcome of that sporting event. I was just premature and I jumped the gun and I got burned. <laughs> That's all that means. Like, I didn't influence it. I don't buy this much crap. Oh, you mushed my bet. Like, just shut up. Okay. I'm sorry. You're just a clown. We have no bearing on these things. We have no, because one person in one town, in one place, if a broadcaster says the words, no hitter, it's not the broadcaster's fault. Okay. It is. What do you mean? No, it's not. Oh, not the broadcaster's fault. If a, if a guy's hit 25 straight free throws and, a, and the broadcaster points it out and the guy misses it, it's not the broadcaster's fault. Okay. It just, he didn't jinx it. There's none of this. He's made eight field goals in a row leading up to this point. The guy lines up and hits the upright. It's not the guys, it's not the graphics guy fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> not the graphics what are you talking? You ain't been it's, in the book long enough. It's Don't no you one, know? It's no one's fault. Yeah, this whole idea of mushing is the stupidest thing oh, ever. Oh. It's just a way of being mad at somebody, not yourself, for making the bet. That's all that is. You're on the wrong side. I got to direct my anger at somebody. So I'm directing my anger at you because I can't look at me because I can't handle the picture in the mirror. So I've got to direct it at somebody. It's your fault. That's why I lost. Yeah, oh. it's it's complete and total nonsense. Nice absolutely. Ramps, by the way, yeah. I like Rams. I forgot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, nice. little, little, little love for them last night. They hit me, got me one and a half units last night. So I'm, I'm, nice. I'm happy with the units. All right. Best thing about today is what, Dave? Uh, the best thing about today is this cloud cover here in Vegas. Like it's, it's, it's going to rain. It, we, you we like gotta, this weather? You like yeah. this cold? It's 40 degrees this morning. Well, I, so I don't like the cold. I just okay. like the change. Like it's, it's weird. I've become that Vegas person that welcomes cheers for weather. You, you cheer for weather. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. I go outside. I'm like, look at this today. Wow. We got to change. No, the best thing about today, in addition to that is Steph Curry. I mean, I, I, I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see it. It's just another day to celebrate just 
somebody who you love the way they play the game. I love sports and I love watching guys do it at the highest level. Plus, he seems like a, just a relatable guy. He's a girl dad and all this other stuff, just like that. I mean, so that is the best thing about today for me. That is, aside from the accomplishment, I know the accomplishment is unbelievable. It's why we're going to recognize Steph Curry. But I, I have a lot of respect for who Steph Curry is off the field, off the court. And I have a lot of respect for the person that he what I mean, look, we I don't know him, okay? So I can't like act like I know him, but the person he tries to present to the world. And I think at this point, as, a, as he's been in the league for as long as he's been in the league, we would have some stories about, you know, Steph's a phony, he's a fake, he's not this real person he projects that he actually wants people to think he is. Because for the most part, he seems like just a really down-to-earth person. Mm-hmm. And relatable is the best word to describe him because he just is a guy who has revolutionized and i do give him a lot of credit for revolutionizing the idea that you don't have to be this six foot nine huge bodied guy to be one of the top five players in the game and it's about work it's about recognizing your talent and it's about not listening to those people who tell you no because he was told no by everyone and he had to go to davidson to go and work on his game, his ankles they said no your ankles are going to prevent you from being what you could be sorry And he said, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go work on my body, work on my mind, work on everything to overcome this. I mean, this guy being the all-time three-point king is perfect because he's a great role model for a lot of kids. And I hate to say that athletes are role models. They shouldn't be. Us as parents, we're the role models. We're the ones. But our kids do look up to certain people. And I think if my son or daughter were looking up to Steph Curry and saying that that's a guy that I want to go outside and practice and shoot 200 shots a day like him, yeah, that's, that's somebody we should hold up and definitely talk about. He's phenomenal. Yep. Just don't do it in the, in the Y league. Like when you're 10 and start chucking the threes, I got, I got my buddy is, you know, he calls me uncle Dave. I'm like, would you stop shooting so much? Like you got to practice before you just start chucking it. That's what's bad about. We see like what he's doing. He definitely revolutionized the game, but he's got a lot of little kids forgetting about doing the layup line, learning how to make a shot from five feet, then learning how to make a free throw from 15. Everybody's going back behind the three point line and going oh i can i can do this and we might see the repercussions of this in three to five years as youth basketball become college basketball players but he is fun to watch absolutely curry tonight over five and a half let's see him out there and hit it yes for dave sherapin i am matt peralt we're back every single day 1 p.m right here on a variety of channels twitter youtube everything else get the podcast you miss any part of the program apple spotify wherever you guys get your podcast go and subscribe to the bostonian versus the book and dave and i we back tomorrow